Welcome to the Missouri Wind and Solar Podcast. I'm your host, Wes Shank, coming to you from our store in Seymour, Missouri. Each week with my co-host and Missouri Wind and Solar's general manager, David McDerris, we discuss the latest on self-reliant energy. Check out our additional educational information, including dates for our hands-on workshops conducted in Seymour, on our website, windandsolar.com. Thank you for listening to our podcast, and if you haven't already done so, please consider subscribing. We had an interesting comment on our YouTube channel the other day. Obviously, it's out of my wheelhouse. It wasn't, you know, Sunday comics related, so I had to bring in the guns on this. But there was a question about high-frequency and low-frequency inverters. And so, interesting concept, and I thought that Sam and David could bounce off each other on this and see what their skills would be able to accomplish in educating me on the difference. Because one of the things I have since learned and was sitting here talking with David about getting ready for our podcast is that my Solarks are high frequency, right? Which is kind of what they were getting dinged on on the YouTube channel. But I have since come to learn that that's probably not that big of a deal. So without further ado, let's just dive in. I got Sam in here with us today. He's going to kind of give us the gist on what is the major difference between high and low frequency, Sam? When we're talking about inverters, what are we talking about? Yeah. So the major difference, Wes, is that with a high frequency inverter, it's primarily using capacitors and MOSFETs in order to do all of the electronic functioning to produce your 110, 220, 208, whatever it's doing. Okay. A, hold on. Uh-huh. I know what a capacitor is, but a MOSFET, that's a new one to me. It's a, but to some of our well, listeners, a capacitor might be new too. To break it down very simply, a capacitor is a type of electrical storage device and a MOSFET is a type of electrical switching device. Okay. And so a capacitor in my little experience. Isn't that what they'll use in like tasers? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah exactly. I mean, basically uh-huh. it, yeah. it takes a nine volt battery and basically piles it up in there and then that's a good way to look pops at the it. hell so out of like you. The old, yeah, like the old camera flashes, <laughs> right? They, you could hear the caps charge back up in an old camera flash and then you hit it and it releases a large outrush very, yeah. very quickly. It's kind of, I mean, it really is kind of like a short fuse battery, isn't it? I mean, it's Sure. Store, we'll, store, 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 boom. We'll say it like that, yes. There's a lot more that goes into it. Right. I don't figure you want a podcast well, no, for that's an hour a, on capacitors. <laughs> and that's okay. Maybe we do at some point. But I know you and Philip were talking the other day about MOSFET. Right. So MOSFETs are oftentimes used in power inverters and charge controllers to be able to control how voltage is used and where it goes, right? They're a very common electronic component in all sorts of computers. So again, you know, you, you get into... How they actually function, it's an entire section of an electronics course book. But for okay. our purposes here, visualize it as a switch. But that thing, and that thing looks like, I, I mean, you know. Uh, it's maybe, I don't know. i tell you what I thought it looked like, and you tell me if I was looking at the wrong thing. It makes me think of, you know, 007's, you know, shaken, not stirred. You know, the little filter that you dip, put on top of a shaker cup and pour out of the ice no, through what, it. What, what you were looking at looks like a wire spring. What you were looking at was a transformer. Okay. So that was inside of another controller. Okay. Okay. So that was a transformer. Okay. So that was. So a MOSFET, typically, when you see one on a board, it's going to be a little square or rectangular component. Let's say it's the size of a penny. 
Okay. And it's got some right. legs off of it that are soldered to a board. Right? Okay. So if you see an inverter that, say, wasn't grounded properly and got struck by lightning, a lot of times the MOSFETs will all look like somebody took them and just spray painted them with black spray paint. They're just covered and they're nasty because they melted. That's a common thing that you see if a system gets hit. Okay. The and so go. MOSFETs and capacitors are an indicator of a... So MOSFETs and capacitors are the primary equipment used in a high-frequency inverter. High-frequency. Yes, a high-frequency inverter. Now, a low-frequency inverter, which is what some other manufacturers would be, so there are lots of good low-frequency inverters, and this delves into this debate on high versus low, actually goes back to just a couple of years ago when low-frequency inverters had absolutely the best market share because they were considered to be more reliable, which is not the case anymore and really wasn't even then. The only thing they really did well that the capacitor-based inverters, the transformerless, as they typically call them, that's Solark's terminology, is transformerless, is that they would do very well with large surges. They still have a little bit of an advantage on that, but it's not what it once was. And the big disadvantage they have now is weight, right? You know how heavy the Solark was when Oof. you put it on the wall. Yeah, yeah. If the Solark were <laughs> the made... The wall of, knew how heavy the Solark was <laughs> when we put it on the wall. If the Solark <laughs> was made as a transformer-based inverter for the same capacity the thing would have weighed twice as much. You wouldn't Jeez. have been able to lift okay. it, right? Yeah. So wow. the big thing that you see with where transformer-based inverters or low-frequency inverters were always considered better was that they had a capacity for what's we'll call the flywheel effect, where they could tolerate large surges for moderate periods of time, say 200% of their capacity for 20 seconds, right? That's That's an area where they still have a small advantage over some other inverters. But it's not what it once was. Like on the data sheets, I you know I printed out to make sure I got these numbers right because there's too many numbers floating around in my head. The 15k Solark is capable of a total surge for 10 seconds of 24 kW. That's a one-time surge. That's 200 percent. Now it only does it for 10 seconds versus 20, but you really shouldn't be surging your Solark that hard that regularly anyway. I mean, what would surge it like that? Electric water heater kicking on. I a mean, couple of them. Yeah, I was going to say, like, if, I mean, yeah, that's like what I was getting at. Your dryer and your electric water heater was to kick on at the same time. Your washing machine was going to spin. Well pump. Well pump was, pump. I mean, if, just, if you hit it all at just once. all yeah. at one time. Maybe what happened is you had shut it down for some reason, and then when you turned it back on, you could definitely see that surge. Okay. You know, yeah. same way when they, you know, a transformer bust on the pole. I was a part of this at one point, and there was an ice storm, and you then, busted a transformer? Yeah, we all yeah, busted we'll the transformer. Over to yeah, we busted a transformer because we all, when they turned it back on, it all surged. Well, what didn't bust the transformer it wound up busting the fuse because there was too much of a surge because everybody's houses were, heat was still on, where it was, and it all, and then we said without power for another okay. week and a half. So. so, so back up. So just, so a high frequency, did you say is better at handling this or are they, or is the word that, you know, historically, historically low frequency inverters were better at handling this, but the technology has improved so much that it's something now to where it's really almost a, it's a moot point. And if okay. anything, high frequency inverters tend to have many more advantages, specifically with regards to weight and idle consumption and efficiency. Right, the Solark has very high efficiency levels and low idle consumption. You know, it, traditionally a twelve thousand watt inversion capacity, which would be the Solark fifteen k, which is fifteen k of charging. A 12 kilowatt inverter might have an idle consumption of 200 watts for a transformer-based low-frequency inverter. Well, the Solark is 90 watts. You know, it's less yeah, than Yeah, I was going to say, it's, man. It's way, my, way better. My whole house just kind of sitting idle. Everything 
is maybe 300. Exactly. And that's where, I mean, to have good a Lord, you know, in a single you'd have to yeah. That's almost 5KW a day just lost out of the batteries to have the convenience. You know, and you said that, Wes, when we were looking at your app earlier, you, know, you were only pulling 109 watts at that I, point. I know. And that's that's what solar, I'm saying. And that's two solar sitting there. I, that's what I'm saying. We go home so. and maybe turn the TV on or something, it bounces mm-hmm. up. Yeah. But, but that's, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, Sam was exactly right. I don't know if you heard that what he, that point he just made that idle consumption on that that twelve k a day could be up to almost four kilowatts on the old ones, not a solar twelve k. Not on a solar, like a, but I'm talking 12. about the old like Pico Golf. Yes, uh-huh. 12, yes, which are uh, good inverters. You know, they're, you know, they work well. Great inverter. Yeah, I'm not saying, but yeah, we're, we're, we're not. Let's just back up and yeah, say, yeah, we're not we're, knocking these. They're, yeah, they're it's just, just it's just that you know we're we're just saying that. Here's the reason why they're different. There's a reason why they're different. <laughs> uh-huh. and, you know, and being as so, we would have to design your system different. Than that. So we would desi- even design systems different because if I've got to offset four kilowatts of just idle consumption, that's that gonna might be, not be. It's going to be some more panels know, that you yeah, have to, I may have to add. You know, a couple, three more panels to your system, just to more batteries, yeah. and more batteries. Uh, yeah, man, that's basically that's easily a wind turbine. That, yeah. That's, mm-hmm. So so yeah yeah. Anyway, so yeah, definitely. Well, so is there an application where you would say, well, this application, you have to have a high frequency. In this application, you have to have a low frequency. Is there a must in here? On the small scale, when we're talking inverters, I would say less than 5,000 watts. There are times where it's still hard to find, and again, Solar's smallest inverter is 5,000 watts. All right. But it's hard to find a high frequency inverter that's going to meet certain criteria in the three to five to 4,000 watt range that would be big enough to say run a well pump, but also has enough surge capacity to run that well pump. That's really, there are certain applications and that's where, that's actually why our well pumping kit has a low frequency inverter in it is that we're able to start that two horsepower or horse and a half well pump with a 4,000 watt inverter and a 4,000 watt high frequency wouldn't quite get it. Okay. Right. Yeah. Now, is there anything about the electronics that we need to be concerned about. I mean, I know, let me back up. And when we're talking about high frequency versus low frequency, I mean, I know you'll know this, but is it like 60 hertz is high and 50 hertz is low? Am I way off on that or what? That has more to do with the frequency that would be used in different countries, 60 versus 50. It has a little bit to do with what would have been at one time, what they would call like in the radio world would be hash noise, would be where you've got a little bit of, we'll call it dirty power. It's not because it's pure sine wave, but you would see in older high frequency inverters, you'd see a little more hash noise if you ran radio equipment, right? That would be a time where low frequency would have traditionally been something you would use. But again, modern high frequency inverters typically now have inline filters, lightning protection, all these things built into them that help to suppress some of that. It's the same reason you see Torides on different pieces of equipment now is that they're taking care of all those problems before you ever notice them now. Okay. So there's not a number that we're looking at here that, so then what distinguishes, what's the frequency that then distinguishes high frequency versus low frequency? You get my question? Yeah, I understand the question. (laughs) It would have been what would be called total harmonic distortion, like the variability between different inverters, right? So I, say you know what? Sometimes I don't know if he just doesn't make... <laughs> <laughs> you, you can look up total harmonic distortion. You can he's, look got, he's got something right on. Here, say total harmonic distortion at some point. This Basically. This will screw it, with... It would have Darius won't know. Shanks, <laughs> Shanks' eyes are glazed over. I got to worry about it, either one of these two. Absolutely, Sam. It would, uh, it would have to do with under a load. So remember that transformers have that flywheel effect. 
right? So you're able to get a little bit of an energy storage that is greater than what a capacitor could handle. And in the older low frequencies, your ability to distort that from a heavy load, you talk about, you know, you kick on a load and the lights dim and things of that Right, nature. right, right, right. Okay. A lot of times that difference, it wouldn't be so much in voltage, which would be where the lights dim, but it would be in rotational speed of, say, a fan motor, where suddenly now it's getting a little bit different, both voltage and frequency. It was traditionally easier to cause that distortion in a high-frequency inverter, again, because of the way that they were designed. And low-frequency inverters were considered more stable. Again, if you go on Google and you look, what's the difference between high and low-frequency? You look at this and you say a lot of the information is dated. It's from several years ago, and that has to do with how inverters were traditionally made. So that this really boils down to, you know, technology is changing. When you say they've just changed. Well, yeah. yeah. Just, I would even say, you know, you've been over at the house, and I think you've even seen some of the flickering off. That doesn't really happen anymore. I mean, you and I have talked about that, that, yes. that we need to get a little more, you know, information just on that. But since we swapped out, I have not seen, though, a lot of the flickering. Again, that, that, which would a, be indicative of the, of the, the classic yeah. high-frequency problem then, right? right? But actually, the you know, your previous inverters were low-frequency. So, again, yeah. you know, that has to do with ramp-up and just variability within the transformer. So, it this boils, again, down to that. The technology, they've gotten very similar in some ways, and there are times where that low frequency has benefits. But today, truthfully, low frequency versus high frequency, you really should be more concerned about what features you need with regards to charging capacity and controllability for grid tie and things like okay. that. It's not the same discussion it once was. You know, There was a time where the discussion between a V6 and a pickup and a V8 and a pickup was like, well, if you're going to haul anything, you need that V8. You don't have to do that anymore. It's the same thing. You, know, you can go get that little... EcoBoost six-cylinder, and it's going to tow just as well as your five-liter, and it gets better mileage when you're not towing. Right. Okay, so circling back, is there, and I think I asked you this, but I think we, I got you probably off in the weeds. Is there any application that you would say, well, you need, because you said you have, you know, a CPAP machine, or you've got oxygen, or you've got a computer that controls. All of that stuff really has to do with pure versus modified sine wave. And modified sine wave is such a small market yeah. share now. Right? Uh, yeah. Somebody calls me or the guys up and they want a system yeah. designed. Unless they say, I'm running a drill press, I want a modified sine wave inverter. We're just not designing around that. It's not. Yeah. Everything's digital now. Everything's electronic. And we need that pure sine wave. Low versus yeah. high frequency really comes into play with battery capacity availability and what the load would be. If you're sizing on the very, you know, bleeding edge of being too small, you know, somebody's on a tight budget and you, you've got to get them just what they need. They don't have any room for overage. That would be where a low frequency might have some applications. But even then with a lot of your modern high frequencies, it doesn't because the, the needs are great enough that you're getting into the equipment that's big enough to handle those types of surges. Okay. So we're really talking about a, a very hair. narrow yeah. application where mm -hmm. there's any kind of difference to speak of. With today's equipment. And even rolling that one further is saying, if somebody like you or, or David or, or Buck or Trevor are designing the system, the design elements are probably not going to be... That's very rarely even that, even that something that comes into play by the you know by the time. That, yeah, I, I don't even know that we ask. You know, it's, you it's, know, it's we design a system around the needs, and once that you know, there again, I think Sam said it right. I mean, we're splitting hairs, and there's no reason there's no reason we wouldn't choose one over the other so long as it met the needs of the, of the customer. I mean, is there anything else about them? I mean, I know that I mean the, the Solarks were 
less expensive than the yeah and the, that, that has to do with, with the radian prices. Huh? I said, yeah, and that has to do with copper prices because, again, yeah, you, know, you get that you get copper that transformer in there and yeah, it, you, you've huge. added a 250-foot roll of Romex in there around mm. a big iron transformer. Mm. I mean, it, it adds a lot of copper and that adds weight, which is shipping from overseas. You know, even with components that are assembled in the U.S., a lot of the parts still are coming over. And also just the sheer cost of raw materials with today's, you know, in, inflationary structure that is our economy right now. Okay. So I think we've kind of just beat the hell out of that. <laughs> I mean, there's, it really, there isn't, from what I hear you saying to me, and you, you can tell me if I'm wrong, I mean, there's not a technical reason to say, well, gee, you should have, you know, you screwed up by getting one or the other, really. I mean, no, it, it really, the, the only thing that could be there would be if you don't consider the idle consumption. That would be the only design. Yeah, well that, and that sounds like a, a that, bear just from what I know. It, it I mean, was. that's, yes, that's, you know, a, and that's that, that would be the only design consideration. And that's, again, something that if we need a low frequency because of budgetary constraints, that's going to be cost averaged out to determine if it's actually the best way to go. You know, we're, we're looking to build the best systems we can for our customers that are going to solve their needs. And sometimes that means, oh, okay, the idle consumption is such that we just need, you know, one wind turbine is going to take care of that, right? The output average is going to cover you. Okay, that, that's all we had to do then was add that turbine. If it meant that we had to, you know, if let's say that you just needed that well pump. Well, yeah, you need to run a well pump for a resident. That, that's a lot of most of it. A lot of cost to cover if idle I, consumption. If I had an idle consumption that made me require an additional two kilowatts of idle consumption, well, now suddenly I need more batteries and everything else, yeah, no that low system. frequency becomes suddenly... And maybe a different controller for that mm-hmm. matter. Right? Yeah, I mean, because now we've doubled thing. the capacity. Now we need more PV. We need more wind. We need, all these other things have grown. So you, you still consider idle consumption with a with a high frequency, but because it's so much smaller, it's easier to design around. Okay. All right, guys. David, you got any... Nope, I think he's covered it. I think that's a great, like I said, I think we beat that one to, beat <laughs> to, it to, to a pole. total harmonic yeah. Yeah. dissonance. <laughs> total <laughs> harmonic distortion. Distortion. <laughs> distortion. We have distorted the harmony of that. <laughs> All right. Well, Sam, thank you very much for coming in and, of and course. being our resident expert on this. David, thank you for sitting there and being lovely yeah. as always. Yeah. Thanks for that. tuning in. We'll put together some more podcasts for you and look forward to having you tune in and check us out. Thanks again, guys. Thank you for downloading and listening to the podcast today. If you have a question you'd like to hear us discuss on the podcast or just want to say hello, email us at radio at windandsolar.com. As always, check out our store at windandsolar.com and buy some stuff. Your financial support underwrites our educational outreach like the podcast, YouTube channel, and local STEM collaboration. It also keeps Lucy and her doggy chicken treats. Thanks again for listening.